When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. <laughs> because podcast boom. Welcome to the Fish Nerds. It's a celebration of fish, fishing, and eating fish that is always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Dave Perry from Wicked Fisher, and here are the Fish Nerds. I'm Clay Groves, and anything is fair game, and it's a good bet that someone's going to fall in love during this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm Amanda Dowdy, and I'm from Great Beer Adventure Podcast, which is at www.greatbeeradventure.com. And I gotta tell you, I am very lovable, but I'm married, Clay. Oh, so, so am I. So we'll have a all right. We'll have a love that dare not share its name. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> or we can just fall in love with the beer. I am. Well, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, so tonight, um, in honor of all the fishiness, I went out and I got a Ballast Point. Mm. They have so many beers that are named after fish. They are. They are. What are you yeah. drinking? What kind? I've got the grapefruit sculpin tonight. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Sculpin are like little dragons. They're so cool. Yeah, they have some really beautiful pictures of the fish on there. Um, not all of their beers are actually named after fish. They actually have like um, an even keel beer uh, that has mango in it, which is super, super sweet. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're into that, that's wonderful. Uh, if you're not into that, then it's not as wonderful. It's not, but but the sculpin, uh, the sculpin beer you drink, I've had, and that's delicious. And and I was cool thing about it sculpin. Is. Do you know sculpin is a fish? Are you familiar? Uh, I'm I'm not, other than the picture that's on the can. Right. And the, so they're they're yeah. great. You know, in freshwater, sculpin don't have air bladders, and air bladders are what keeps the fish buoyant, keeps them up and down the water column. So in freshwater, sculpin sit right on the very very bottom. And they kind of scoop right across the bottom, and they're perfectly camouflaged, live in the rocks, and they're kind of like a uh, a predator that kind of lies in wait. So, looking at that picture of your sculpin IPA, that little fish is just waiting for someone to pounce on that beer and drink it. So you you've got a good one, and I, I happen to love ballast points. I can't afford it most of the time. It's pricey, but uh, it is pricey. It's yeah. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, we talked about doing this earlier in the morning, and there's actually a big snowstorm that came in today. I'm yes. up in Maine, and um, I knew that I wouldn't be able to get out later, so the school school was already canceled, but no snow had fallen. So I went to the beer store at nine o'clock with my two year old and my five year old because <laughs> that's how I roll. Because you're a good mom, <laughs> right? 
Um, and so I was not the only one buying alcohol, but I was the only one with kids buying alcohol and no cigarettes. Right. Well, um, <laughs> that's important detail there. <laughs> yes. Um, but I just said, okay, I'm going to grab this one and go. And they rung me up and I was like, oh, okay, well, this better be a great interview. Uh, well, the good thing is, is like people who are, are dr- smoking the cheap cigarettes with their kids are not drinking good beer. Uh, yes, because their taste buds are gone. They've wrecked them with their crappy cigarettes. So right. they don't care about good beer. No. Um, well, I'm proud of you. Uh, now, tonight, we, we had Thank a huge storm in uh, North Conway, where I live, which is just about an hour from you. And yeah. they did not cancel school today, which was a terrible mistake. Uh, so I went ice fishing this morning and then this afternoon went to the supermarket to buy beer. And they did not have Ballast Point, so I had to buy... Dogfish Head 90-Minute IPA, which is fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a consolation prize. It seems like, you know, an equal prize. It's so good. And I've, I've had one already, and I feel like they're stronger than most beers. And I might be imagining it, but um, it's only it's 9%. So it's not that much stronger than most beers. <laughs> okay, well, actually, it is. It is. Most, what most, most beers, beers are like... Most beers are like in around the five or six range. Oh, <laughs> you start feeling it after like seven or eight, and then okay. yours is nine. So Got it. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Okay. Now, do you know why it's called a 90 minute? I was hoping you would tell me. <laughs> so there's a 60 minute, a 90 minute, and I think there's a 120 minute. And what that is, is they add in the hops, and that's how long they let them sit in there before they oh, pull them out. I thought it was like have one every 90 minutes, and you're good to drive. That's a re- no, that's a really bad idea. I, I was just thinking, like, maybe you could pace yourself that much, but the adding saying, the yeah. drive part in it, that's not a well, that good way, plan. If, you, if you have one every 90 minutes, you're not drunk and you could go home still. If you any more than that, no. you've exceeded it. No, no, I would yeah. just like to. I've never, I've never met your listeners right up front, but I would like to tell them all please do not take Clay's advice. <laughs> Don't listen to Clay for drinking and driving yeah. because. That is not a good plan. Yeah, I will tell you, I don't drink and drive, and I don't drink when I'm fishing either. So, you don't? No, no. I'm a fishing. Really? I'm an ice fishing guide, and I'm really safety conscious, and I just don't huh? drink on the ice. I just not my thing. I don't um, go on the ice. Oh, you should. Oh, you know, but it makes the noises, and I feel like I'm gonna fall through, mm-hmm. and it scares the crap out of me. And mm-hmm. every time, everybody wants to be like on top of like um snowmobiles because yes. up here and yeah and they're, they're like Whoa, and i'm like ah, ah and trucks why do people want to put heavy things on top of ice well ice floats and it holds heavy things up so it's totally okay i i don't i don't think your logic is completely sound <laughs> that's, that's accurate but you should when your kids are a little older and, and mobile uh, well, would... they are mobile. Okay. Do you have kids, Clay? Because two-year-olds and five-year-olds are mobile. <laughs> I, I mean, noble, um, noble, mobile in a relatively safe way. Because, uh, <laughs> look, the first, the first three years of life, you're just trying to keep the kids from killing themselves. That is true. Like, they don't That's... know any better, and, and you're just constantly in protective mode. But then they get to a point, like, my kids are seven and ten. Now they can do stuff, and they yeah. don't always die when they're doing it. Like they're sometimes fun. You still have to worry about them. They're still dumb, uh, not because they're dumb, but because they're kids. They just do dumb stuff. But you can do cool things with them, like go ice fishing. When your kids are older, I mean, this is an invite. I want you and your family to come ice fishing with me. I will change your tune about it. Uh, it's warm. It's comfortable. It's safe and totally fun. Did you say it's warm? Yes. 
What? I have shanties with heaters and everything you need to keep warm. You put heat on top of ice? Heat rises. If you put heat under the ice, is a problem. On top of the ice, you're fine. So. <laughs> My anxiety levels are like through the roof. Uh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So <laughs> We actually go to North Conway on a semi-regular basis. You do? Well, when you do, let's get a beer with the families. Not, not for yeah. the kids, but for us, and then we can hang out and talk. That sounds great. I to- it's open invite for you, okay? Perfect. That yeah. sounds wonderful. And, you know, this summer we'll go to Storyland together. It'll be great. Yes! We do Storyland every year. Perfect. We have season passes, so... Well, yeah, that makes sense. You're right there. Well, my, us... my wife teach, teaches in Jackson, so we drive by it every day. <laughs> yeah. I was a teacher once. Mm. That was a long time ago. And now you're a beer person. Yeah. There's a lot of teachers in the beer world. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, no, I also used to be a teacher, so... So I guess there's a lot of people. Welcome to the winter of my discontent. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. We're going to move forward here, Amanda. Thanks for coming on the show. Now, I've been listening to your show. I love your show. I met you, uh, what, two summers ago at a podcasting event in Boston. Yes, it was lovely. And I've I've listened to your show on and off since then. And the last few months, I've been listening to it more and more because we have some friends in common who said, don't forget about about Amanda's show. Um, And... Wait, who are these friends? I need to go give them money or beer at oh, least. Believe me, you're giving them money. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right, yeah, it's our it's 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 our it's our advertising person. Um, yes, Jessica. Uh, now, so the question I have for you: You ask everybody about their origin story, so I'm going to ask you: What is your origin story for your podcast? Why, Amanda, do you have a podcast about beer? Okay. Okay. So keep it short. So, so if you've listened <laughs> to the show, you know that no story of mine actually starts at where you would think the beginning was. Mm-hmm. So we got to roll back. <laughs> um, and we're going to go, we're going to quickly go through the years, but we're going to start in sixth grade when everybody told me that I was so amazing. When you with first drinks. started drinking. No, I did grow up in Waterford in the middle of nowhere, but I, my parents were very strict and I actually never went to a single party through high school. Um, it wasn't until much later that I discovered and hated beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in sixth grade, everybody told me you are amazing with kids. You should be a kindergarten teacher. And I was like, yeah, that's great. So my whole entire life up through college, I was like, I'm going to be a kindergarten teacher. That's hilarious. And th- yeah. My, by the way, my wife is a kindergarten teacher. Yeah, good yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, I I I lasted one day at a preschool in Florida, and the kids were so unruly. I was like, I hate kids, and I would be such a bad <laughs> mom after being a kindergarten teacher. And all my life, really, I wanted to be like a good wife and a good mom. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that that was not going to work out for my main goal in life. Uh-huh. And um. And so I said no. And then I became an accountant and I actually don't like cubicles. So then I was like, what can I do? Oh, I like kids, but I don't really like kids except my own. Mm-hmm. They're pretty awesome. But everybody else is kind of or, do you, you know, always not like mine. Your own? I would say like 90 <laughs> percent, maybe even like 95 percent of the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they're pretty awesome. I was actually really sick when I was pregnant with them um, for a long time. Not like the whole like first trimester. No, that came and went and I was still really sick. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure what I was doing is just funneling all my awesomeness into them. <laughs> so you're vomiting your awesomeness into your kids. 
yeah so. it was just like i lost <laughs> all of it um but i met my husband in 2004 and we our very first date was actually to a tgi fridays um <laughs> and it I didn't know it at the time, but it was a non-date because uh, he had a roommate at the time. Um, but we he ordered a really tall Miller Lite, and I ordered a really tall Miller Lite. And it took me two hours to drink it, but we had the most amazing conversation. And, and in that conversation, did it turn out that the, uh, the Miller Lite was not the good beer choice? <laughs> Neither of us knew it at the time, uh-huh. uh, but <laughs> during that first, yes, yeah. come to terms with it. Uh, but during that that first summer, we actually the way we really bonded was we learned all about food and all about beer, and um, we w- had a goal of trying as many different kinds of beer as possible. But there's a problem with that, you know. In if you try a beer from Ballast Point in March, you can't necessarily remember in October which specific beer from Ballast Point you had. No, because they've got too like many. seventeen sculpins. Right. <laughs> you know, you could be like, oh, we had the really spicy one. That one you'll probably be fine. But oh, I had one that was had some fruit in it. You're not right. going to know which one that is. Yeah, was it grapefruit so... or kiwi? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. So I was sitting at a bar and somebody geniusly, this is not the first time in this in my life that has happened, uh, but told me that I should do something. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. But this time they were actually right. Um, and they told me I should start blogging. And I did. Um, and then I became disillusioned with beer and everything Um that was real life when I was pregnant because of being so sick. Uh, and so when the youngest one was a year and a half old, I was like, mama needs to get out. So I started going to a group that's called the main beer mavens. And I knew that I wanted to do Wait, say a... that group name again, <laughs> main beer mavens. I love it. Yeah. We've kind of gone a little defunct in the past uh, year or so mm-hmm. people are getting pretty busy doing a bunch of different projects and so we haven't um met as many times as we'd like to but we're still a facebook group and every once in a while somebody would be like hey we're getting together and everybody will show up um but during that time i knew i was actually going to be leaving teaching um and even though it was my goal all along to be a really good mom i found out that i'm a really bad stay-at-home mom (laughs) i'm a much better beer drinker than mom Yeah, Yeah. as it turns out. Uh, So I knew that I wanted to do something that got me outside the house. And everybody tells you that the podcasts that are the most successful are the ones about things that you're passionate about. And so I went back to beer and, you know, my husband and I going on these adventures together and writing this blog together. And uh, and now we have this really great dynamic to our relationship I love talking to people I'm one of those weird introvert extroverts so I will love going out and being part of the scene and then when it's over I need to like go into my um den and hide um but I I need to be out every once in a while so this allows me to do that and he actually is pretty much just an introvert (laughs) (laughs) um he he likes being at home so i go out i talk to people i learn new things and i get beer and i bring it home and then we can have the adventure at home of trying the beer and talking about it together well that's perfect and your podcast is everywhere podcasts are found or you can go to your website thegreatbeeradventure.com right 
Not the Great Beer oh, Adventure. Screw the V, just Great Beer Adventure. It's, it's not the only one. There's so many of them, but this is definitely. It should be the only one. <laughs> yeah. Right, but I mean, everybody's on their own beer adventure, even yeah. if they haven't found that they love beer yet. They'll get there. They'll, they just haven't met the right beer yet. They'll catch up. And, and I've been listening to your show, and I'll tell you what I like about it. Um, yes, and I, and I happen to like your voice. But I, oh, thank I, you. what you do better than me is you allow people to talk. And, <laughs> and so like with the way you – like most recent episode, for example, um, I think we were in New Jersey or something or New York. I forgot. But New York. New York. And – and you ask the questions, and then you kind of take your voice out of it and let the brewers do all the talking and take us through that beer adventure, which which I really like. And the editing is good, and it's a good quality show. And so everyone who's listening to the Fish Nerds should check out that show as your second favorite podcast. <laughs> and if it, becomes your, if it becomes your favorite podcast, uh, we, we forgive you also, <laughs> as long as you keep downloading our show. <laughs> yeah, you, it's not one or the other. No, you can, can be both. I mean, do you do only one podcast when you're listening to shows, Amanda? Or do you listen to a bunch of shows? Oh, no. I have a bunch of shows. Yeah. I um, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I find that if I am exercising, which ha- happens in spurts, I go through <laughs> a lot, a mm-hmm. lot faster. Yep, me too. Um, but if I'm not, then, you know, it's really cold. And I could go to the... The uh, we have a great community center here that has a pool and a track inside, mm-hmm. but that means I have to get up at like five o'clock in the morning, get in the van because even though it's only a mile, it's still dark and cold, <laughs> and I got to get over there, and the van's cold, and my bed is warm, so I do a lot better with exercising in the spring, summer, I and fall. I understand. Well, cool. Well, hey, I'm glad to have you on the show, but we're not here to talk about any of that stuff. No, we're here to talk here about, about love. Actually, this is our an, this is our annual Valentine's Fish Nerds Love Special. Cue the sexy music. <laughs> Pretend you heard music. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about uh, about making love and love and how fish love each other and how much we love fish. Although I'm not convinced that love is the is the right word when talking about fish. Um, yeah, a lot of people. There are people who believe that fish share the same emotions as humans. We're not going to get into that debate tonight. <laughs> uh, we're, okay. But for the for the course of this show, we will anthropomorphize fish and we'll use the word love uh, whenever we need to because it's Valentine's Day and you know fish fish are cute. So fish fish are friends. Fish are our friends. Yes. But before we do that. Uh, Kind of a quick preview for next week's show. We're starting a brand new segment called the Effin Book Club. Uh, hashtag Effin Book Club. Um, and we're going to be talking about saltfish. And to bring it into the sexy world that we're talking about tonight, saltfish uh, in a lot of cultures is a uh, dirty name for girl parts. Amanda, did you know that? I didn't. I saw that on your notes, and yeah. I was like, what am I getting myself into? I know. I Actually, I read that in the book, Cod, A Biography of Fish That Changed the World by Mark Kurlansky, which is the book we're talking about next week. But then I found, I Googled it, and there are songs written about it. I'm going to play a piece right now. Pretend you heard something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jeff Danielson, uh, librarian from the Mid-Coast Public Library uh, out in uh, Kansas City, 
is going to lead us through this discussion next week about cod. And if you want to be part of that, you want to call the show 607-378-FISH, 607-378-FISH, and leave us a voicemail, and we will use your opinions on that book on the show. But in the meantime, you have to read it. It's Cod, A Biography of the Fish That Changed the World by Mark Kurlansky. And I've also reached out to his agent to try to get him on the show, and we'll see what happens. Don't hold your breath. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, if you had, if you were a fish though, you'd be able to have gills and you would it'd be fine, right? Uh it would be easy. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, anyway, so segment 1, let's talk about fish love. Bounce chick the wolf. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, have you you're a Disney fan, right? Yeah, big time Disney fan. All right, you're going to love this. So, let's talk about finding Nemo. And we've on the Fish Nerd Show, we've talked about this before, but you may not know this. Um, so in Finding Nemo, Nemo's mom gets killed by like a barracuda or something, right? Yeah, it's a sad thing. You got to like make sure the kids aren't quite paying attention during that part or there's um, nightmares about yeah. big fish. I probably should back up and say, if you have children, please don't let them listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> we're so, about to ruin all of it we're for gonna you. ruin your day so uh let's talk a little bit about about the biology uh, and about what happens with clownfish are really cool fish and a lot of fish actually are just like clownfish so in in the in the movie finding nemo nemo's mom dies and nemo's dad takes on the role as single parent and raises nemo and protects him right mm-hmm. which is a nice story Obviously, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're like, oh, they got the science all wrong. But we're talking about talking fish. We probably doesn't matter if the science is right or wrong. Um, right. But they got the water that looked really real. So you got to give them a little bit. Some really good animation. They got the science of animation right. Uh, <laughs> but so what would really happen is the nice thing about clownfish, the cool thing about clownfish is they are what's called sex changing fish. They can change their sexual identity as as they age. So what would happen is Nemo's mom would die and then Nemo's dad would be left there going, Oh no, I'm a dad. I can't make babies. So his body would actually change uh, into a female clownfish and likely he would mate with Nemo later on. And then they'd have baby. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So, so that was all fine. okay so um now i actually have heard this before yeah it's true um (laughs) not the the last part we're gonna we're gonna take this piece by piece just for a second (laughs) okay so the whole clownfish thing Uh changing genders Mm -hmm. i've i've heard this i get that i know that some different species do that actually hot plants if you stress out a hot plant Mm -hmm. It will go from being a female to being both. What's a hot mitt plant? Hop. Hop oh, plant. Hop. Oh, yeah. Talk about beer. I got you. Okay. Yeah, beer. Okay. So, and, and now, by the way, the male hop plants are the ones that produce the hops that we have in beer, right? No. No? No. Am I wrong? You are wrong. Damn it. I hate that. I know. If it wasn't for female hop plants, we wouldn't have beer because the female hop plants don't have um, these little seeds in them, mm-hmm. and the seeds actually gunk up the works when you're brewing. Okay. Um, so, but, so a, a, they'll all be female, and then if you stress one out, it'll become both. But how does one stress out a hop plant? <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that it's like, you know, 
water and sunlight and like you okay. know it's not like, like like with my kids i stress them out by going is your homework done yet no i can't do the math damn it just work harder like that stresses them out <laughs> and so um, with the hot plant can you say are you done growing yet oh come on get in the game kid you know nothing. yeah you can try that and yeah. see how it works i bet i've actually heard that plants you know if you yell at them they don't do so well so that might work that's why my plants all die yeah, That's my hobby, <laughs> so, yelling at plants. <laughs> so I've heard, I've heard, I'm used to this whole idea of like, um, you know, things in nature changing to be what they are. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with that piece of it. Right. Yes, it is a story. I've also heard um, that in the Finding Dory, they talk about the uh, uh, the big whale. What's the whale? Oh, the, the, big the whale shark or the yeah, the whale yeah. shark oh, that, and whether. That... Yeah. It's wrong, right? They said something wrong. We did a whole episode called Finding Dory Disappointing. Uh, oh, and we actually had oh. Rhett, we had Rhett Talbot from the English Pint uh, and Karen Talbot on the show talking about it on that one because they got it so wrong. And it was funny, but this whole notion of like a whale shark talking whale and yeah. I, 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 they mean nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I I talk two year old and I'm not a two year old so that's true that's true right yeah she could just that could be her second language do you talk to your two year old like a whale like hey, what's your kid's name um I have two little girls I've got a Charlie and a Maddie I love Charlie hello Charlie leave a Charlie I do I have a little girl two year old Charlie oh, it's so bizarre when we had our second kid my wife and I had decided if it was a boy his name would be Charlie Danger Groves. Latino, nice. Yeah. And if it was a girl, I, I wanted to keep it the same. Yeah. But, but she didn't go for it and end up being Samantha Grace. Not yeah, we, nearly as cool. Not no. That no. would have been cool. Yeah. Um yeah, we uh we well the first baby before she became um before we knew if she was a girl or a boy, uh we called her Bean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just something about a lima it's, beans. It's we what just babies called her. look like when they're babies. right, exactly. Yeah. And so she was Bean, and then she became Maddie as soon as we found out she was a girl. Mm-hmm. But with Charlie, as soon as we knew we were pregnant, she was Charlie because she was either going to be Charlotte or Charles, um, depending on if she was a boy or a girl. So she's always been Charlie. Charlie's a good name for a girl. That's yeah. totally good. So I forgot we were talking Anyways, about. Yeah. yes, I do talk whale basically to Charlie because she'll like melt into a puddle. Uh-huh. And I'm one of the, I told you earlier, I'm not a great stay-at-home mom. I will just be like, I will copy the melting into a puddle and I will just bring it back to her because if I'm going to deal with that crap, she's going to deal with it back. Damn it. Good. Well, good on you. <laughs> Thanks. So... so I'm good with the whole male to female thing, uh-huh. but I've never really thought through what that actually means. Mm-hmm. And that is horrible that they're actually like, recreating with their own it doesn't do well, are are their dna not as advanced enough that oh, like no no it'll no kill see, the breed? no see now in the in the movie scenario he would have made it with his own son or she would have made it with his with her son in reality there's a lot more clownfish around right oh so he was the only they there. would they would live in a group with a breeding pair of males and a female right if the female dies the largest male becomes female and all the other males mate with that one and so so in theory i guess even in real life nemo would still mate with his dad but a lot of other guys would also that does not make it better no now that i say it out loud you know in my head (laughs) in my head it was perfect (laughs) 
Yes, yeah. that's always a problem, though. Um, but this, but but my question goes back to like, if we take this to the person level, which is gonna make me want to shoot myself in the foot. But if we do, like the DNA all mixing together, if you're having like the same, like all the family. Yeah, oh well, God. Well, let's talk it, about it. Degrade. Yeah. Is that right. not happening? It totally. Happen? It totally happens. But we're, we're not talking about one male and one female mating together. We're talking about a female dumping thousands and thousands of eggs and lots of males dumping their sperm on top of them. So, so can you just kind of like tell which ones are like from her own kid? You're like, oh, that one. That yeah, one like, has a yeah, special you, thing, you, like you, the lucky you, thing, like Nemo. You see, there it was. There, ah! Oh, it's all perfect now. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to watch that show the same again. <laughs> Nemo's a little inbred, uh, Charlie. Sorry. <laughs> That's why Nemo Nemo don't swim so good because he's inbred. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is why this is why Nemo drink, this is why Nemo drinks shitty beer and hang <laughs> and smokes cigarettes with his kids. That's that's it. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but we're gonna have to end this. My life has just been ruined. <laughs> Show's over, folks. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's move on from from Nemo and talk about sneaker males. Okay. Uh, this is a very common in the fish world. And uh, when you were a kid, did you go fishing at all? I actually did. Yeah, uh, yeah my dad uh, would take us, but it was always so mosquito-y no matter where we went. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and did you go but, fishing for like little sunfish and things? Mainly trout. Oh, really? Oh, you had a better dad than me. <laughs> uh, he'd make us throw back everything that wasn't a trout. Really? It's funny because the trout are the worst to eat and everything else is delicious. Really? Yeah, yeah. God, so... let me wrong. These, these old school Mainers, they just love eating trout and they're so yeah. wrong. Because the bluegills that you're catching while you're eating trout are, are, are much tastier and more fun to catch. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I never really liked eating fish growing up. Yeah, well, it's because you had to kill them. Well... <laughs> Well, yeah, we also had a cow too that we ended up eating, and that oh. was that was tough. But well, my daughter's the cow and I still ate, tasted good. Right, my daughter's and I ate. We raised our own turkeys this year, and so they're dealing with that right now. So they're, yeah, they're on the rough. fence. I'm like, do you want to get more turkeys? Like, well, we have to kill them. Like, yeah, I'm like, well, maybe I don't want turkeys this year. Um, so let's. <laughs> yeah, talk we about, only got one cow. We're gonna talk about sneaker males. Do you remember the TV show Bosom Buddies? So I don't know how old you think I am. I don't know how old you are, but have you heard <laughs> of the show Bosom Buddies? I've heard of it. Okay, so so it was Tom Hanks back in the '80s, before he was famous, uh, was in a TV and show. Before I was old enough to realize who Tom Hanks was. That's right. Before he was Woody, um, <laughs> he it was a TV show about basically it was these two guys in New York who couldn't afford a hotel. Or a hotel apartment, and it was an all-woman apartment building they could move into, but they had to be female. So they dressed up as ladies and moved into the hotel, and they kept trying to date the ladies in there. Now, that story... I feel like I remembered it. It was a movie, not a show, though, right? No, it was a TV show. It was a a sitcom. Um, Totally good. Still funny, kind of. Very (laughs) very sexist in every way, but it's back in the 80s. but that sexism sh- was fine back then. We were all cool with that. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it sometimes if it's funny. Um, but there, <laughs> but so because I'm older. Um, but I'm not. Oh, I'm not older where I on, on the level of some people. But I'm I'm older. Um, <laughs> trying very hard not to get political. Um, but so the bosom buddies concept actually came from fish. 
And bluegills are the kind of original sneaker males. So the bluegills, these the, the blue eight bluegills mate is they create these big like saucer shaped nests, and a big bull of a bull a bluegill kind of hangs out on those nests and guards them and invites his harem of females in to mate with, and they drop their eggs and he sperms all over them and they swim off and he guards the nest. Um, but meanwhile, there's all these other bluegills around who want to also mate, but they're not as big and tough as that one bluegill. So they actually change their physical appearance. They look like females. And those big bulls invite those guys in. And those guys come in, and they hang out, and they look cool, and they act all like, hey, man, I love your fins. You sure got a pretty bluegill, you know? And then he's like, yeah, I'm so tough. And these, these move in. And then meanwhile, they're now in. And all these female, these beautiful female bluegills are hanging out. And they're dropping their eggs. And these sneaker males are now in. And they just drop their sperm on those eggs and take off. So they sneak in, drop the sperm, and run away. And they disguise themselves as female bluegills to get in. I mean, that's, that's cool. That's- I don't. I don't know if cool is the right word. Yeah. Um, I got to first start by saying that the whole reproduction system that they these fish have go on, going on is really gross. Oh. It's just like dropping eggs and sperm everywhere is just like really. Have you, by the way, have you ever, you, your kids are little. Yes. You haven't had to explain sex to them yet. When you <laughs> no. explain sex to anyone, I don't care what species is, it's gross. Like the explanation of sex is always gross. <laughs> it's. I feel like at least it's a little bit more contained uh, in the human species. It's the internal. fish That's are just true. like fish are all like just like let's put it everywhere. Let's just like let's just make <laughs> our sperm all over all the things. Like money shot, like money shot, money exactly. shot, money shot. Yeah. I feel like that starts getting into the porn realm. It you is. don't ever actually have to like discuss porn with kids. You don't. Like you know, like yeah. You got to explain it. You got to get there. But it's all about like when you love someone, mm-hmm. it's not like money shot all over the place. Right. So it's <laughs> like when mommy and daddy love each other very much, mom dumps 10,000 eggs into a pile <laughs> and then 10 guys sperm all over them. That, yeah, that, that is that... disgusting. That is like the worst <laughs> porn ever. We're the best. Depending if you're on your into point that. of view. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm supportive of all lifestyles. So. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's your thing. yes, but I don't want to hear about it. I no, don't no, never tell me about it. it. That's horrible. <laughs> there is that is way. Listen, I don't, I don't even like boogers. Like I don't want to talk about sperm all over all the things. That is nasty. Oh, see, I knew this show was going to get sexy. I just knew it was going <laughs> to. We were in danger. <laughs> it's, uh, it's this beer. It's the beer. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> uh, so, but that's um, totally real things. Uh, but not all, I, I, not I, all fish do it that way. Well, I do love how um, one thing that I really love is uh, creativity and art and where people get inspiration from. Mm-hmm. So uh, as much as as much as I'm not into even there being sexism back in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, I love how people can look at the idea of, you know, these fish and completely change it and make it into this show yeah. i think that's i i don't know i find that really um really neat and i do i love i love learning about where people get their inspirations for all these different things 
it, it would be really fun to talk to some of the creators of like Finding Dory and find out how they came up with it. Now, I got to tell you, this is true. Years ago, my friend Ray and I had a fish uh, in his in his bedroom named um, Basil, and it did... came out almost like fetish, but I think you said fish. Yeah, I did say fish. I might I, the whole my, entire. My, my friend Ray and I had a fish fetish, um, <laughs> but he had a fish named Basil, and now Ray's bedroom was in a shed in his backyard. He didn't, he didn't, I'm not making this up. And but no, the funny part is, is like this is not the first person I've heard about having their bedroom in a shed in the right. backyard. Well, him and his brother both had it, and maybe you knew his brother. <laughs> but um, and when he went to school in the morning, he would just unplug the heat. Then in the afternoon, he would turn the heat back on. And now Basil lived in a 10 gallon aquarium, and Ray every afternoon would just throw quarters in there. There was no no filtration or aeration in there, and he, all his pocket change went into this tank. And it would let it evaporate down to about three inches of water, get the garden hose out, and fill it back up again. Basil lived for like three years. And because there was no heat in there, occasionally the, the tank would freeze solid, and he just thought back out again, and Basil would be just fine. So Basil got the name of Basil the Wonderfish. Yeah, because uh, money is dirty. It is, and freezing is bad for you. So Right, but yeah. wait, I maybe I have a misconception. I live in Maine where it freezes really cold. Right. I always thought like Fish and frogs went into the mud, and they just kind of, like, hung okay. out in the frozen state. So frogs do that. Fish do not. Um, okay. Well, some fish do, but most fish do not. And and, and it's really bad for most. Of, the reason that we have life on Earth is because of, because when fi- when water freezes, it floats. And it doesn't freeze to the bottom. If all your lakes froze to the bottom, we'd have no life on the planet. We'd all be dead. That's, that's yeah. a, it's important detail. Now, so Basil the Wonder Fish is great fish. So before... Before uh, before Finding Nemo existed as a movie, I wrote a children's book. My wife and I worked on it together when we first met called Basil the Wonderfish about a fish with a very short memory, very much like Dory. And, Short-term memory loss? Yes. Uh, and a lot of the jokes in the movie were very familiar to me. And that, but we never, <laughs> we never published it or did anything with it. But it was like, I'm like someone had my brain. Like, they didn't steal my idea. They just happened to come up with the idea independently and do something with it. And I'm like, God, if I just did something useful. You know? Yeah, there's um, there's actually a book in a theory around this that, really? um, yeah, oh, what is it called? It's like the magic. Oh, I can't remember. Um, but the whole idea is that there are these ideas and thoughts and inspiration floating around us. Mm-hmm. And uh, they come into you. And if they think that you're a vessel <laughs> that can handle it, they'll come to you uh-huh. and they'll be there and they'll be part of your life. And if you don't do anything with it, these ideas, they leave you and they go to find somebody else that'll um, like you, let them be. Yeah. I mean, but I wrote a book, but never published it. And then this stupid movie came out and I was right. Like, but you never published it. So you didn't really like move it past. I've got a book too, that I wrote. It's actually called Sir Rexford and Capitan Kitty Pants. It's amazing. <laughs> Sounds perfect. It is. It's so good. But I, I don't know how to get it published. I don't know what to do with it. I just have it. So my, my hope is, is that seeing it's based off my, my pets, but although yours was, yours mm-hmm. was somebody else's pet. Dang it, it's going to escape me and somebody else is going to write it. If they're going to write oh. it, it'll be a different name, but it'll be your story. Exactly. Yeah. It's no, like... I didn't write about a uh, about a, about a clownfish having sex with his dad or anything like that. I wasn't <laughs> going crazy like the real movie. I was just... Right, yeah. but it's that same idea. It's like, you know, so 
they had short-term um, memory loss, and I can only ever think about it as memory loss because sand is squishy. Right. Um, <laughs> but but short-term memory loss, and that's not like a common thing. Mm-hmm. So it's ah, oh, this just makes me really feel like you know, it's this thing that comes. It is. It's this magic, the magic of the universe, and. It feels like, you know how you parking lot some things, some ideas sometimes, because they're just not quite right for you? Yep. What's the point? They're just going to go find somebody else, and then you're going to be like, I had that idea once, and you lost it. Isn't that part of why we make a podcast? Because now we have ideas, and we can put them out in the world before we lose them. Like, there it is. Boom. It's faster than writing, and it just gets out there. So Well, see, I'm going to put this idea out there because I just want it to happen. Okay. And so if somebody steals it, that's awesome. As long as they steal it and they put it in Maine because I need it. But I think that there needs to be some kind of, so you know how they have like laundry mats and tanning places? Yes. Like that's a stupid mix. Like I'm not like, I want to go like wash my clothes and burn my skin at the same time. Those things are right. I mean, those are stupid. So, and then there's like, sounds great. (laughs) um, But my idea is that there's like a bar with like, they have to figure out how to not have the smelly, stinky chemicals of it. But I want pedicures and manicures. So you can, like, as a girl, like, I like being a girl. I like going and getting my pedicure done. But I don't want your crappy beer or your cheap wine. I would like to, I will pay you to give me a really good craft beer. I want craft beer and my nails did. Boom. See, I'm old. I say microbrew. That's, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. That's, that's how you tell. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. That's, that's a really good point. And, and I always thought like, like every department store should have a bar in it. Mm. Cause how many times I've been shopping with my family I like that. and this is going to be sexist, but it is what it is. And, and my wife, Kristen wants to go shopping and try stuff on and I don't care. And See, for me, it's the opposite. Yeah. Like I go in, I'm like, I will try this, 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 and on. I try them on. But it's like, boom, boom, boom. My husband's like, I'm going to look at 17 pairs of pants. I'm going to debate them before I try them on. Then I'm going to put them on a couple times. And then I'm going to take them off. I'm going to put a different pair on and then put the other ones back on. And I'm going to walk out with no pants. And then we have to go to a different store. Not a chance. I I don't even try stuff on. I just buy them. I know my size. And it's funny. When I'm shopping for my wife, like my wife a few years ago said, I need a black dress. I walked into the dress barn. And I stood in the door. (laughs) And the I, one at Settlers Green? Yeah. And I said, I need, you know it. And I said, I need a black dress in size eight. And a woman brought one to me and I gave her money and I left. It took me five minutes. Boom. And it, and I got home. She goes, wow, this is great. I'm like, yeah, I worked really hard on that. But I, <laughs> when I bought her engagement ring, I walked into a jeweler and said, I want a wedding ring that looks original. And they went, okay, <laughs> here you go. I'm like, okay, great, thanks, bye, here's money. Left. Yeah, I do that in Home Depot too. Sure. Like my husband will like want to just look at every single. Like we go to Home Depot a lot. We're yeah. actually undergoing um, a major renovation at my house right now, um, and I have been without a kitchen for four weeks, and I will be without a kitchen for another two and a half weeks. Um, so it's intense, but we go to Home Depot quite a bit, and my husband will like be all about like trying to hunt down what he wants and i'm just like no i walk up and they're like can i help you i say yes where is this and they sent take me there and then we leave i don't have to debate it just tell me where it is i'll go get it perfect and easy and we're way off target here so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna bring it back in i got one more fish i want to tell you about 
Okay. I want to talk about the angler fish. Are you familiar with this fish? Is that the fish that's in Finding Nemo in the way deep? Yes, and they dangle this light in front of them. Yeah. See, yes. I, I, everything I in my current knowledge all goes back to Finding Nemo. Right. Well, so the one you saw in Finding Nemo is a female. That's oh, a mama how do you fish. know the difference? I'll tell you because you'll never see a male. And for years, really? scientists have been looking for a male anglerfish, and they weren't able to find them. And it turns out that these anglerfish, there has to be a male because they wouldn't be able to re reproduce sexually without a male counterpart. Now, Unless lot, they were asexual. But that's not sexual reproduction, right? So, well, again, that's a changing sex. So some fish can, like, store the sperm, change sex, and become females and have sex with themselves right. and make babies. But still, you're not having that genetic mixing. But they knew mm -hmm. they were having genetic mixing happening, so they had to have sex okay. somewhere. So they eventually do some, you know, they, these are deep water fish, hard to research. But after further study, they found out that angler sex have a very, angler sex, angler fish have very interesting sexual habits. The male angler fish are super tiny. And when they find a female, they bite onto her and they fuse into her body. They become part of her. And the... <laughs> And, and become their only job now is like a parasite that produces sperm. And they become like a gonad of the female anglerfish. And one female anglerfish can have like multiple males fused to her just producing sperm and living off of her like a parasite. I so, feel like there are people that are like that. I've, I've, I've dated a woman like that once who thought <laughs> I was supposed to be her anglerfish male and would never <laughs> let me get away. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, I know. Like three restraining orders later, we're finally separated. <laughs> I, I made so, that up. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. So uh, they like, you said they become like a, uh, a, a what did you call them? A, a gonad. Go a gonad, like balls. Right? Like testicles? Yes. I don't like so, the word testicles. It's dirty. Balls is my preference. Yeah, because that is gross. so much classier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gonads is really like the classiest. I know, right? Uh, okay, so wait a second. So, do they have like their little skeleton bodies still yeah. inside them? Yeah, they so sure they, do. So, so they're like just fused in there. How come the scientists have never found it before? Well, they have now. That's how they. That's how I know this story. But for years, they didn't even think to look for it. And they, they were just kept... like, "Oh, look at this like dangly set of." testicles on this female they, fish it, it looked like a little bump and the fish are so gross and gooey and bumpy anyway and it took a long time before they realized wait a minute we have males they're just attached to this wow. big gross female they just thought it was part of her anatomy initially and didn't realize it was a separate animal there's like a tiny like you would have thought there would have been like some kind of x-ray thing where they're like oh look it's like a regular size skeleton and oh there's a tiny little skeleton nah that's just a little wart. Well, I mean, look, this was in the 1920s they figured it out. So before, oh, okay. I mean, it, it's been known for a long time. It wasn't like it happened oh, this year. Right. It was in 1924 they worked <laughs> it all out. So Okay, that makes more sense. I'm not reading the whole story. If you go to fishnerys.com on the show notes this week, we will have the entire story up there. Uh, and I posted it with a link back to the original, which was at mentalfloss.com. But I'm not okay, gonna, that makes yeah. that makes a whole a whole lot more sense. I was, I was summarizing it, so I would have to read to everybody. <laughs> so 
But that feels like an important piece of information. Like, yeah, well, it matters. was just to suffer last year yeah. versus way back in the 1920s. Well, they are still discuss. you know, every year they still are figuring this stuff out. Yeah. You know? Well, that's why I was like shocked that it, this was something that they just figured out, but it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Now, now shark, male sharks have two sex organs and they have internal sex like people. And, but with themselves. And no, they have pups. The oh, female okay. has pups, like live young. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. So, uh, oh, it reminds me of, you know, do you know why uh, male so- sharks are so angry? <laughs> no. Uh, you'd be angry, too, if you had two penises and no arms. That's that's true. Boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not really penises. I just, it's funny. All right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the look. only the only good I see about having a penis is that I could pee standing up, but I don't know if I could do that with no arms if I'm just learning how to do it. So no, it's terrible. It's 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 just it's one of the more things. <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would work out for me. Yeah, I I like you the way you are. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Right. Me too. Yeah, which brings us to our next segment of the show uh, called Guides Corner with Michael Frank. Michael Frank uh, is a guide in South Carolina. His website is franksflyarts.com. Okay, so this one is tied with a deer hair head and a splayed hackle tail. The deer hair holds on to air and the brass eyes get it to sink just a little, so it's a neutral buoyancy fly. The old man smirked as I allowed him to admire the lamb's wool patch pinned to my life jacket. It was covered with multicolored furs, feathers, and tinsels lashed to hooks of various sizes and shapes. As I came up for air while explaining how hot glue made the perfect translucent body for a bay anchovy, old Bob spoke up. He took a film canister from his pocket and shook it, opened the lid, and poured out ten or fifteen small hooks dressed with a small tuft of white bucktail hair and a bit of pearl tinsel. He held one up and said, Son, this is my fly. I call it the snowflake fly. No two are alike, and they catch plenty of fish for me. Old Bob was a regular at this boat ramp and the dock under the Kent Narrows Highway Bridge just a few hundred feet away. Striped bass gathered here all summer long in the currents and fed voraciously along the light line just past the shadow of the bridge at night. He'd show up after dark in his old white Ford Windstar minivan, assess the conditions, wind and proximity of the schools of feeding fish, and pull out his fly rod, or the spinning rod he called his, quote, long-distance fly rod. Then he'd tie on two snowflake flies and start laying into the schooly stripers, catching and releasing into the wee hours until he was tired of it and ready to go home. This was at least the third time he had told me about his snowflake fly as I proudly shared my latest fish-catching creation. Bob always got a good laugh out of my explanations of my latest well-reasoned fly design and descriptions of new techniques and materials I'd put to use in creating them. And he especially seemed to enjoy his inevitable punchline to my lecture. Son, this is my fly. No two are alike, and... Like old Bob, guides spend a lot of time on the water and tie a lot of flies. They know what works, and since they have to tie so many flies in a fishing season, they often tie patterns that are simple and fast to tie. Just as an example, I found a marabou leech pattern in an umqua book of Alaska guide flies that was just a single feather tied and twisted onto a hook. I've tied and fished it, and I can tell you, it works. 
If you are a fly fisherman who already ties, listening to guys like Bob is a good idea. If you don't have an old Bob of your own, looking for guide-produced fly tying videos online works too. If you fly fish and don't tie your own, in my opinion you should. At a dollar apiece, even the cheapest flies start to add up when trees, rocks, or fish start separating them from your line. And some people say that these cheapy flies are poorly tied by sweatshop workers who never saw a trout in their lives, suggesting they are less effective than the ones you tie yourself. The truth is, fish are dumb, and flies are not meant to last forever. This is both good and bad news for the beginning fly tire. It means that most of your flies will work, even when they are not tied perfectly. It also means that you will have to reconcile with the zen of the fly tire. As in all things, flies are impermanent. You must learn to release attachment to creations that may have taken you a half an hour to tie as they may be lost on your first backcast. My advice, maintain inner peace. Oh, there goes my fly. By the way guys, this is much easier to do when the flies cost a few cents a piece. Fish nerds are part of the Outdoor Podcast channel. <laughs> are you aware? Are you in the mix? I, I didn't. Now you know. Uh, the Outdoor Podcast channel is all your outdoor shows on one feed, which means if you subscribe on iTunes to the Outdoor Podcast channel, you get the fish nerds and hunting shows and travel shows and camping shows and everything else you ever wanted from the outdoors. A new show every single day at OutdoorPodcastChannel.com. And the reason I'm promoting that is I am one seventh owner. So <laughs> um, I've got a good moose story. Oh, please keep it short. I will keep it as short as I can. So, uh, growing up, there was a lot of time when, without hunting, we actually would not have had any food in our freezer. Yeah, you're so, from like you're from like backwoods Maine, right? I wouldn't say backwoods. Like I'm serious. Like with I no went... teeth, kind of Maine. Well, everybody's born with no oh, teeth. Show off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, I went I went school shopping in North Conway. You were the closest city to me. No, I was not backwoods any more than you are. Um, you you might be a little backwoods. Um, I might be. You might be right. Uh, but anyways, you told me to keep this short. Stop interrupting. Okay, so. Um, we would go hunting and uh, it wasn't necessarily technically the most legal way of hunting because you're not actually supposed to like drive deer. Um, I guess it's unfair to the deer and really unsafe because you're like people are pushing deer towards you and they're carrying a gun and you have a gun. So really you're shooting at each other. Right. Um, right. So anyways, my mom, um, I was probably about uh, like 10 and my mom and I were sitting waiting for my dad and my brother my brother is three years younger than me so he's probably about seven we might have been a little bit younger than that actually um i didn't like hunting because i don't like killing bambi so i was coloring in the dirt and we hear these noises coming through the woods and i'm like oh thank goodness we get to go to the truck i'm so sick of being here and i look up and i'm probably about like 15 feet away from my mom and about 15 feet on the other direction, 
was a mama moose. And yeah, but with her, she didn't only have one baby. She had two babies and they were in this little train and she spotted us and she stopped and the baby moose stopped as well. And so my mom standing up on a stump, I was sitting down drawing in the dirt. She says to me with her gun lifted up, she's like, Amanda, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> and I was so paralyzed and feared because moose are huge. They're giant. Yeah. They are so big. All I could do was stand up and hug the tree that was next to me. Uh-huh. I couldn't move. I was just like, ah. And um, so the baby moose in the back must have heard my brother and my father coming because uh, it ran into its sibling who ran into the mom and they took off like a train through the woods. Oops, sorry. I hit my microphone. But they took off like a train through the woods and um, they ran away. And it was, I was seriously like 15 feet away from a mama moose and her two babies. And mama moose are crazy. They are. They are. Mama, everything's are crazy. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Um, And the, the, so that was like an intense moment in my life. But the, the hardest part was, is like, so a lot of the way that people in Maine show love and affection is mm-hmm. to tease their relatives ridiculously. And so I was forever called a tree hugger mm-hmm. in my family. Because you and were literally hugging a tree. Correct. And so when I started recycling, because I live in South Portland, where you just recycle because you have single sort and you just like, oh, look, stuff that's trash and stuff that you put in the blue bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just like drove at home and everybody's like, yeah, we knew it all along. She's a tree hugger. Hippie. <laughs> Hippie. Yeah. Crunchy yeah. granola tree hugger. That's Fantastic. me. Yeah, that's my moose story. Well, that's a good moose story. I don't have any good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yep. Wow. Well, I, I thought it was going to end with you ate the baby moose, and they tasted very tender and delicious. I'm glad it ended <laughs> positively. <laughs> yes, everybody was fine that time. I have had moose. My dad has tried to ride moose. Uh, yeah, we've got lots of moose stories up I, here in Maine. Uh, that you too. <laughs> All right, let's do some fish in the news. I, I happen to love fish in the news. This is my favorite segment of the show. And because we're talking about love and sex, we're going to talk about cod. And this actually ties in good to next week's show where we're discussing the history of cod. But cod may have local accents, scientists suggest. This is from CNN.com. Did you know this about cod, that they have accents just like people do? No, my, my my little one, well, not my little one. They're both little to me. But the five-year-old actually used to say that fish would say balub, balub. Mm-hmm. And she would try to say it to all of them. So now I'm just picturing, like, European fish being, like, with a little British accent. Yeah. accent. Balub, balub, pass well, me my tea. Well, I mean, if you ever meet anybody who, like, from other countries, and you, like, think, okay, dogs, you know, cows go moo. And you meet someone from Europe, and they go, cows go meow. And they have a different <laughs> sound. Look, it's... I'm not making this up. These people are, are like this. Um, but cod are the same. So fish romance may be doomed, at least for certain species that migrate away from their traditional spawning grounds, say scientists. Codfish wow. use sounds that are similar to a love song to attract a mate, uh, explained British researcher at a science showcase run by the National Environmental Research Council. 
But as cod in the UK increasingly move north to find cooler water, scientists are concerned about local accents and noise pollution that may hamper future breeding. Now, unlike people, like I know that American women hear a British accent and they're more likely to spawn. But apparently, <laughs> True. A, yeah, a bit long hair and a British accent is game over. No, but no, apparently no. cod are different. <laughs> yeah, no, not long hair. But the, no long hair. But the accent for sure, right? So, male cod vibrate their swim bladders to produce a pattern of sounds, incorporating thumps, growls, and a variety of frequencies that stimulate females to release their eggs. <laughs> However, researchers suggest cod bred in different parts of the UK may have different vocal re- repertoires or accents, making it difficult for cod to understand their counterparts from another region. So you might have someone from England, like uh, in London, with that normal kind of straight London accent, and then like a Liverpool accent. (laughs) Not quite as classy. Forget about it. Those two are not doing it, you know, unless they're a Beatle, then it's a different conversation. But (laughs) not happen. Recordings of American cod are very different to those from European cousins. American cod just cuss more. Um... So there is a precedent, Professor Stephen Simpson, University of Exeter, who is leading the research toward the Press Association. The species is highly vocal, with traditional breeding grounds established over hundreds of thousands of years. So the potential of regionalism is there. Uh, so that's 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 the story, really. Um, that's really interesting. I think that my first thought is that like if all of these. So, if you think about, like, the main accent, that's horrendous. Yes. Um, uh, you can't get there from here. Yeah, not, exactly. That person's but, not going to reproduce with anyone outside of Maine. Right. Or, right. or, or outside, like, the top half of Maine. Um, right, which is sorry. why there's only, like, seven people that live up there. Um, right, we, by, but, the way, by the way, we have a lot of listeners up there. Hi, guys. <laughs> I love the top half of Maine. Yep. They have some amazing books that they are making. Um, and there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um, but there's actually there's a there's a whole um, that they're, they're redoing some of their fields and making them into um, malt fields to help with uh, all of the growth in the beer industry. Love it. So love it. yeah, it's fabulous. Um, but if you know, if the entire top of Maine came and infiltrated, like they would all have each other still. So why but would that be the same? Related. Like, right? We aren't <laughs> supposed to. But fish, fish don't care. Fish don't care. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So what? Didn't we, we learn that earlier? Yeah. Well, so so imagine this, right? What's happening is the cod are all trying to find that perfect reproduction temperature of water, which is like. I think it's like 47 degrees. It's like that perfect, might be 37. It's like that perfect temperature. And so as the the ocean temperatures warm, cod are moving more and more north to find that perfect temperature. And so when they're doing that, they're coming There's already cod living there. There's already cod there. And those cod there have fabulous accents. And the cod from the (laughs) south say like, hey, y'all. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, cripes. (laughs) The, The yokels have arrived. And those yokels come Wait, in. But can't the yokels be with the yokels? They're just like in different waters. So it's like, you know. Oh, I like the way you're these, thinking. Right? So if enough of them come up, who cares? Like, why is that so who cares if the northern stock wants to mate with them or not? The southern ones are there anyway. There's enough of them where they don't care. 
So right. that's good. So they're just bringing all their friends with them. Hey, y'all, let's go up north and mate. Okay. Yeah. And the guys up the north are like, oh, like, those guys. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're just moving in, unfortunately, yep. taking over our stuff. But there they're all the there. and they. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, they just keep segregation. It's like, you can use this water fountain and not this one. Like, Boy. fish do that, right? You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that. It, it, it makes you feel like less of a terrible human when you hear about humans doing that kind of thing. So, so you wonder how many other animals... Uh, it you know. make you feel like less of a horrible human if you like that, because it's a horrible human thing to do. It is. We have evolved past being fish. We can choose not to be a fish. So now anytime anyone is racist, homophobic, or whatever, you can say, stop being a fish. Exactly. You can, yeah. like. I feel like that should be a new hashtag. Like, mm. you know... Uh, we've evolved past fish. There's a problem because the back of my shirt I'm wearing right now says I am fish. Oh no! Yeah. That says a lot about you. I know. <laughs> Maybe you should rethink of that. After today's lesson, oh, I feel like I am there not are so fish. many things that you do not want to be a fish. I know. Like, I'm like, oh, no, no, fish, and especially male fish seem to lose all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. That's I, I think the only thing worse than being the male fish that you've talked about is being a, a male praying mantis because they get their head bitten off after I, sex. I know. It's funny, but it does it does illustrate what men will do to get laid. And, <laughs> and I don't think human males are any different. I think we're all dumb and we can't help it. It's just nature does that to us. So... The advantage of being a woman is you're not inherently stupid. And, uh... I actually have a beer theory about that. Oh, let's hear it. Gosh. Okay. So, you know how so many women say that they don't like beer? Yes. Like, it, it, it's not actually true. There's actually a lot of women out there that really do like beer, but it seems like that is a thing that people think. Right. I've heard that. Right. It's, it's not necessarily true. There's a lot of lot of women in the beer world. But let's go with the assumption that what everybody says is correct. Okay. And that <laughs> there are a lot less women that like beer. Right. Well, I think the reason for that is, is that women will do something and be like, well, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And not do it again. Right. Oh. Right? And so men if you will have... say, hey, hold my beer and do it again. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so, right. like, if a woman tries a really crappy beer, she's going to be like, been there, done that, no thank you. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, we also sometimes can be, like, a little bit, you know, judgy. So, if a, a beer comes at us with the label of beer on it, we're like, uh, no. <laughs> but, you know, there's uh, so many other... No. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no thank you. Uh, but there's so many other kinds of beers out there that we have to, like try some more but i feel like women are like no i've tried that once i'm not gonna do it so probably at one point the female angler fish was like hey why don't we try letting you take the lead and the little tiny angler male fish was like yeah let's do that and then she was like that was the stupidest thing ever yeah now bite me and fuse to me be my gonad exactly she's like listen i'm just gonna take care of you wee little one because obviously you can't run the boat yeah and you get laid at my will as, exactly. As I it want should to. Be. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so that's that's a good theory. I like it. So <laughs> that's really great. I'm glad you're on this show. We have one more story to do. Uh, okay. And we have to do this story because I've been all over Facebook this week. Um, I've been getting this story and I have to talk about this because it's been really making me insane. I'm tired of people sharing it on my Facebook wall. 
But the story is from Nat Geo. It's one fish frozen while eating another, a rare discovery. Two brothers set out to videotape their rare find from an ice fishing trip, which has gone viral. And I'm not even going to read you the whole story, but these two guys found a pike eating a bass frozen halfway through the ice with the tail of the fish coming through the top of the ice hole. Um, and I just, I, I, the whole thing makes me insane because it didn't happen. Photoshop. No, no, no. I mean, they really did find a, or have a fish inside the mouth of another fish. Like pike often will die eating fish bigger than they are. That's normal. Mm-hmm. That's common. Okay. The, the way it froze is it froze with this. So the, the theory is, is someone caught a bass, dumped it down an ice fishing hole, and a pike shot up through the hole, bit the bass, choked, and everything froze solid into the hole with the bass sticking out of the water. And they cut it out with a chainsaw and took pictures and went viral. I'm saying it never happened. I'm saying that, that someone took a bass and a pike and stuffed it in a fish hole, let it freeze solid, and then made a viral video about it. It didn't happen. A, 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 a pike is not coming up through an ice fishing hole to eat a bass. It's just not happening. It didn't happen. It's not a thing. And I call bullshit on the whole thing. So that's it. I <laughs> just wanted to say that out loud that it's a cool picture and it's total garbage and didn't happen. So how do you like that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. The skeptical me is like... Maybe it didn't, but maybe it did. Maybe I'm... this pike was like deranged and like somebody like had caught it at one point and like accidentally squished his little pike brain and it didn't really know what it was doing. And maybe it was jumping up there. Yeah, and I does, really think that, that the word ice hole is <laughs> a dirty. great swear. It's the, it's the greatest. Well, that that swear goes back to the movie John, Johnny Dangerously. Have you seen that movie? No. Oh, it's uh, old from the 80s, one of my favorite movies. But one of the bad guys in there can't figure out how to cuss. So he goes like, <laughs> he says things like, Fargan Ice Hole. <laughs> you know, that's a big cuss word in the movie. Fargan Ice Hole. There's a so. show on one of the channels right now called like The Good Place, yeah. and they can't swear there. Uh-huh. So she says shirt and fork a lot. Oh, I love it. She- She's like, what the fork? I'm. Why can't I forking swear? I like, love it. Oh. And I feel like ice hole is like next season's swear word. I, I got the, I got to tweet those guys. Listen, guys, I got you a new one. Oh, ice hole. I love it. I love it. They probably already know it. And the writers are old like me. And so they've seen the movie Giant Dangerously. Don't want to steal from it. Mm, perhaps. It's, it's been long or enough. Maybe it's like it's... A, a thing where you know it and not everybody does. Uh, so you have to Google, Google, Google. I'll, I'll share a link on your wall. But uh, Google <laughs> perfect. Thank yeah. You. So actually, you know, we're out of time. I'm going to wrap this whole show up. And Can I ask you yeah, one question? Sure, first? please, please. So we started out with you asking me my origin story, but yeah. every time that I, I'm not going to ask you your origin story because origin Good. stories are long. Well, because my, my mom first... and dad loved each other very much. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a money shot. Um... Yeah, a big pile of eggs, <laughs> whole bunch of sperm. It was it was horrible. And gross. Secretly, and I, I am a fish. I just really evolved quickly. That's right. Uh, no. <laughs> My question, the one that I always wrap the show up with is, of course, what is your first beer memory? Oh. When I was like seven or eight years old, my dad was a These big- the best ones. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, I don't know if he was alcoholic. My dad, I take that back. Yeah. My, yeah. So um, we had a tool shed in our backyard. 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So when I <laughs> when I was a kid, my, and there was a fish in it, there was always, there's always fish. My my dad drank beer a lot, um, and I remember on my back porch once in a while, my dad would go, "Hey Clay, you want a beer?" And I'd be like, "Yeah," and he'd pour beer into a mug, and I would take a sip, and I pretend to be drunk for hours. <laughs> but when I when I but my real beer, the reason when I first started liking good beer was when I was 18. I was in New Jersey, and you couldn't obviously you can't drink at eighteen. And I learned that if you tried to to pretend to be twenty one and bought crappy beer, you would get be more likely to get card than when you bought good beer. So nice. I was able to go to the store, and if I was buying like a really good microbrew, which was in the nineties, we called craft beers, uh, <laughs> microbrews, back when you were a baby. Um, if you, <laughs> you if you ordered a good beer. Nobody would hassle you because eighteen dumb eighteen year olds didn't order a good microbrew. They ordered Bud Light. So I was able to get good beer because people would sell it to me. But when I was ordering crappy beers, no one would. So that's kind of so I've had a lot of good beer experience. And we used to try to taste every kind of beer we could. And so I had pure beers with like hot peppers in them and all kinds of weird stuff. And I just really like it. I and I really like really hoppy IPAs now as my favorite. But yeah. yeah, there's definitely some really cool main beers that are pretty, pretty hoppy. Yeah. Um, by the way, <laughs> by the way, I keep I, I keep trying to find somebody else who's done this tour. Have you gone on gone on the Allagash tour? I, I've I've been to Allagash many times. I actually oh. worked for a company for a while that um did tours throughout all like a like three or four different breweries. I was a beer tour guide no on a bus. Way. Yes, sir. Oh, that, that's a dream. So the, the <laughs> it Al- was pretty fabulous. The Allagash Brew is my favorite brewery tour I've ever gone on. It ended with these beers that were brewed in Jack Daniels or Jim Beam barrels. Uh huh. And they're like thirteen percent alcohol, and they're like <laughs> yeah. you don't mean to get drunk on this tour, but at the but end you do. you do, and you got to walk down the street to like the cheap Mexican restaurant and sit there for an hour before you can go home. Well, now there are four breweries in that same spot. There there's are. Allagash, and there's like this little Wanderlust uh, or something. Uh, what's the beer they have there? Um, yeah, Wanderlust is a beer I bought from Epiphany. Other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epiphany. I mean, not Epiphany. They have Epiphany as well. It's called um, Foundation. That's the one. Yeah, right down. Yep. There. Yep. Yep. Foundation, Austin Street, and a new one that's just opening up, Steel Battery. Um, but yeah, so uh, industrial. We we we're pr- pretty punny here up in uh, Portland. We have uh, Industry Ale Way, and oh, we have God. Yeast Bayside. Those are two big beer places. <laughs> the yeast one sounds just terrible. That's just <laughs> bad choice. Well, yeah, there's it, I don't know. It's, it, it's a really good place to be. There's like distilled things, uh, distilled liquids. There are meads, uh, kombucha, and beer. Yeah, all no, in like no. a walking distance now a lot of people who don't aren't from new england don't understand that portland maine is like the hipster of the northeast town it's a great place to be first i'm gonna say yeah first i'm gonna say actually i would i prefer saying that we are the east coast capital Uh um of beer yes great Um, great breweries there yes yes um and i would like to say that i'm not specifically a hipster my husband would disagree because I like to wear skinny jeans, but I'm a girl. Yeah. Um, but he's like, no, you're you're definitely a hipster. Um, but 
you were mentioning that if you buy crappy beer, you would get carded. Here it's different because as much as I want to protest the fact that there are hipsters around and mm-hmm. we're like, no, we're just people. Oh, they're no, there's no, definitely they're PBR drinkers now. They, they, well, yeah. yeah. If you well, no, like here in Portland, like here in Portland, you're more likely to get carded if you're ordering a craft beer than a cheap beer because you have. know, right. Yeah. If you're like, I'll have a Bud Light, you're like, oh, you must be stuck in your ways and have been that way for a long time. Does it make you crazy when you see, like, quality people drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon? Well, like, I think I there's a time say, and a place. No, there's not. It's wrong. Yeah, and it no, shouldn't happen. It is. should be it's a terrible. really hot, like a really, really hot summer's day when you're playing wiffle ball on a tar field, like tar area. That's a great time for PBRs. You're yeah. just going to sweat that stuff out anyways. No, I still won't do it, but I'll drink the I'll drink the champagne of beers on a hot day. But we'll not... see, that's not any better. It is. You put a lime in, it tastes like crumb. So that's it. You've listened to a couple of fish nerds and a beer nerd when you should have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do all sorts of silly things that nerds do. If you would like to support Fish Nerds, you can go to patreon.com and search for Fish Nerds and help us crowdfund this podcast. Special thanks to Amanda from greatbeeradventure.com. Amanda, thank you so much for this special Valentine's episode. I'm going to feel a little bit of love. Well, it's easy to do. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, having me on. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd. Spawn early and often. (laughs) And avoid free flashes for space attacks. Swim against the current every chance you get. (laughs) We made a podcast.